Welcome to Sisters Inc., our podcast for and about women business owners, brought to you by Backland Enterprise. I'm your host, Elisa Gomes. Black women are the fastest growing group of entrepreneurs in America. And on every episode of Sisters Inc., we sit down with one successful CEO and share how she slays the challenges of being a Black woman in business. Today's episode is all about building a business around positivity. We're chatting with Kiwa Narula, the founder of Kiddo, an award-winning children's boutique in Chicago that sells unique, sustainable, diverse, and positive clothing, toys, and books. Welcome to Sisters Inc., Kiwa, and thanks so much for sitting down with us. Thanks for having me. Before we get into your company, I would love it if you would share the entrepreneurial legacy that you're a part of because you're a descendant of Black Wall Street. Yes, yes. My great grandfather had a tailor shop on Black Wall Street in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, it's it's my legacy, you know, and, and especially on that side, we don't really go back a lot further than that. So to know that's really the main chunk of where our history starts on my on my mother's side is really, really special to me. Um, he had a tailor shop on Black Wall Street. And when the massacre of 1921 happened, he had to flee with his family, which included my great grandmother and my grandfather and great aunt. Um, they were an infant at a and a toddler at the time. And I just, I think I connect to the story, just having small children of my own and imagining if I had to get out of a horrific traumatic situation with two small children. I mean, I just, I just think about that and think of how destined they were <clears throat> to continue, you know, so they, they left with the assistance of a customer of theirs, of his, and were able to make it out of the city limits and eventually make it to Chicago. And so he was able to reopen his tailor shop. He taught my grandfather the trade. My grandfather had his own tailor shop and was a tailor in World War II. And, and yeah, now I have kiddo and I, I definitely feel connected to that, that start you know, for us in our modern history. And you're a fourth generation entrepreneur. How important was it for you to keep that legacy as a small business owner going? Oh, I think, um, you know, this is kind of my second chapter. Uh, I'm a performing artist and I went to college for that and moved to New York and, and traveled the world and, and did some, some great things as a performer. Um, that's something I think will, you know, you're an artist until you die. So it's not necessarily like that ended, but once I had children, that definitely started my second chapter, my second chapter. And when I had the idea for kiddo, um, I just began to feel more connected, you know, to my ancestors and those ancestors specifically. Um, and especially now that I have the storefront and knowing that they were, they were saved by a customer. It's just like a testament to how you meet strangers and you meet people and you never know how they'll affect your life. You know, you treat people with kindness and you show them respect and care and you may need them. You know, they may be a pivotal person and you just have to treat everyone that way. Yeah. Speaking of the idea for kiddo, 
like many women entrepreneurs I speak to, you started your business because what you wanted didn't exist out in the world. Tell us about that. Yeah, so I, you know, I'm someone who, my family is moderate to, to small. I don't have a lot of, of little cousins or I don't, I'm a baby, so I didn't have any young siblings. I didn't really grow up around babies and small kids to know like, oh, well, when I have a kid, it's going to be this and that, you know. So after I had my son and I was online shopping and looking for replacements for his things, and I was just so, I think I thought that it would be comparable to how I shop for myself. Like, oh, this is my style. I like these colors. Let me just get it for my son. And it was like, no, they were like little daddy's little slugger and, you know, hand my dad a beer. And like, I'm like, no, this is, not, this is not it, you know? And so I just started thinking, you know, thinking big of like, man, if I had, you know, if I had my website and if I had a, my way, what kind of things would I want him to wear or be able to create for him? And that's like the beginnings of, of what I was thinking when I started Kiddo it was just like, making something for my son because I just wasn't satisfied with what was out there. It's so crazy that <laughs> what they make for little boys is things that say, hand my dad a beer. Like It's wild. It, it's wild out here, you know, if you really get down to the nitty gritty. So, yeah, I didn't, you know, I just wanted something that connected more to our, to our values, to our style, to our, you know, way of life, you know, as, as black people and as like, young, interesting, creative people, I guess. <laughs> yes, young, interesting, creative people have young, interesting, creative children that don't wear boring clothes, right? <laughs> You're really an example of being the change that you want to see as a company whose designs focus on positive imagery for children of color. Um, but it all started with one onesie. How did you come up with your first designs? Um, and it's funny because we're actually going to be bringing it back. We haven't announced it yet. But um, I was just thinking of the qualities of our children. You know, like what are the words that we would use to describe our sweet black and brown babies, you know? And, and sweet. Sweet is just something that I thought applied to both boys and girls, you know, all little ones. And uh, being in Chicago, the first ideas that I had were kind of connected to my network, my, my friends and family. And so here in Chicago, when you say sweet and when you say sweetness, there's only one person we think about, and that's Walter Payton. So I had a, a onesie that said sweet like Payton. Um, that was, yeah, that was my first idea. And I kind of pieced it together. I found someone to, to do the artwork. Um, that actually was my husband's idea, the sweet, like Peyton. And I was just like, oh, that's it, you know? <laughs> and, and yeah, we figured out how to, how to get the, the blanks, how to print, you know, screen print on the onesie and, and all that kind of boring stuff to really make it a product. Well, that boring stuff is the kind of stuff we like to talk about here, the nuts and bolts for other entrepreneurs out there. So how did you get traction with that, with, you know, figuring out your first steps into production, with how to get your first sales? Like, who were you selling it to? How were you selling it? Yeah, well, well, the first, I knew some entrepreneurs in my network and specifically some people, you know, we have a friend who has a sneaker shop and we have a friend who makes 
um, hand makes items, bow ties and pillows and that type of thing. And, and he was one of my closer friends. And so I got as much information as I could from him. And he was always vending around the city at different markets and festivals. And I said, Hey, do you mind if I like tag on your vending at this, as, at this fair? And I just want to see if people like my onesie and if they want to buy it. And so I shared his table. And at that very first market, I didn't sell not, not a one. Not one onesie. <laughs> I was just standing there and just, you know, just making conversation. But, you know, what was valuable in that beginning stage was that I got to talk to so many potential customers. You know, I got to meet families in the neighborhood that I didn't know before. And just, you know, I had my baby with me. So you just talk to people, you start talking to moms. And, and, and that, I think, was the invaluable part. It was that I was, even when I wasn't selling or maybe my product was just missing, um, I was meeting my community that would end up being very essential for the growth of my brand. And so I don't, at this point, I don't think anything of that first market where I didn't sell anything because I still was, I still was winning, you know, I was winning something. I was meeting people who, even those original OG kiddo, kiddo families who are now, you know, doing all their holiday shopping with us, you know, at our storefront. So that's it. I just was piecing it all together, you know, finding out how to make that unit cost make the most sense for what people would really buy a child's garment, you know, spend on a child's garment. <clears throat> it's unlike when we buy for ourselves with our adult clothes because children move through these phases so fast. So that was one task was finding out, you know, how much can I really charge for people when they know that their kid might grow out of this T-shirt in five months, you know? Um, but I was just doing that along the way and learning along the way. As you talk about the journey, what was that process like for you? Because you went from one onesie that you were selling at markets to two years later opening up a brick and mortar store um, to now, you know, having a whole company. So what, what was that growth process like for you? Well, like I said, I, from the very beginning, was meeting families and kind of connecting kiddo, which was really me, you know, it was like I'm the face of the brand. So I was meeting families and hearing the needs of families in our community. And one thing that I was um, hearing a lot of was in Chicago. You know, Chicago is a very segregated city. And so I live on the South Side. A lot of Black families, Black middle and upper class families live on the South Side. And all I was hearing was a lot of families in our community who were going on the North Side, which is traditionally very white, for their music classes and baby activities and little fun activities for families. And I I'm hearing this repeatedly thinking like, we shouldn't go have to go to the other side of town to have fun with our families, you know? So very shortly after I started Kiddo with that one onesie, I immediately started to think about like, how can we get our community together like on our own? So I started with another mom hosting a South Side story time. Um, we started a family day party. I started a family day party with another mom called the Baby Soul Jam. Um, music events, Spanish music events. We just were, I was trying to figure out, you know, how can we keep our community here and like provide for ourselves what we need? Um, and so that's also how Kiddo grew was because more people would hear about the story time. And then at the story time, I would have a little table with my onesies and t-shirts and, and 
keep having these conversations with parents that just kept drawing more and more families into the brand. Selling unique, diverse, and positive products is a huge differentiator in the marketplace. But were you ever afraid in the age of Amazon and Walmart that a local children's boutique wouldn't be able to compete? Oh, definitely. Um, you know, my customer, I feel like I know my customer well now, but in the beginning, I didn't really know. And I was it was trial and error. Um, but what I do know now is that our customer, especially our families of color, we mix and match. You know, we splurge on some things, but then we go to Target and, and do Amazon for some other things. And so while I didn't think I could entice anyone completely to abandon the big box stores, I just, um, our focus has always been on providing a unique selection that people can't really find anywhere else to show them, you know, kind of our value. And I think what's interesting is that I think when you know your audience and when you're speaking specifically to a set of people, you kind of end up drawing more audience members. Like the more specific you are with your message and who you know you're speaking to, it actually attracts people from all over. Like they, they love that, you know, whether you're a member of the LGBTQ community or you're Mexican or you're black, you know, when you know your people and you love your people and you spread love in just a very direct, specific way, there are all kinds of people that connect with that and kind of wish that they had that in their community. Um, and so that's, that's kind of been the, the North star, the guiding compass, you know, for kiddo as we've grown. Did I answer your original question? Um, I don't know, but. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, you did. I mean, it's about how a local children's routine can compete against, these big box stores who offer, you know, free two-day shipping and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And as you said, you know your customers, you listen to them and you celebrate them and you recognize that you'll be able to provide some things for them that those other stores can't. And sometimes they'll go to them and sometimes they'll come to you. Mm -hmm. So um, speaking of that unique product selection, I know that's one of the challenges that you faced when you first opened your store was just getting enough stuff <laughs> to fill the store because you were a brand new store. So talk to us about that challenge and how you overcame it. Oh man, we, so the way we got connected to this space is that was through our events. And when I tell people, check your DMs and an opportunity can come in any form, I really mean it because the shopping center where we're located now, they, they hit me up on Instagram and they were like, you know, we really love what you're doing with your community and we're thinking of having some events here. Would you be interested in hosting your events in our space? Because there's an outside courtyard and it's really nice in the, in the warm weather months. And I was like, oh my God, like this is somewhere I shop with my family. I'm like, yes, yes. You know, like let's, let's speak the right financial language. But, um, we had a successful summer of having these events at the shopping center and at the end of it all, when they saw, you know, the beautiful families that we were bringing together, I said, you know, have you ever thought about having a retail space? And I had been, and I just said, yes, you know, and then of course we had to speak that correct language, but I, everything with kiddo has kind of been 
there have been signs along the way to let me know that things are going in the right direction. And, and that definitely was, was one of them. I wouldn't have called myself ready at the time to have a retail space, but I had been thinking about it. And to have this, you know, retail, commercial retail organization look at me and say, have you thought about it? Kind of gave me all the confirmation that I need. Like, I've been thinking about it and they're looking at me like I'm ready for it. So let me be ready for it, you know? And so when I opened the storefront, I knew because of what we did, we had like onesies and tees. I knew that we would have to have things that kind of fleshed out the collection. You know, when people are shopping for children, like you can't just sell them a t-shirt. You got to have pants. You got to, you know, grandmas come in. They, oh, we want the matching. You got a little headband. Like there's certain things that I knew we had to have. But I didn't have a huge budget. And so I just kind of started with this very small selection of things and then just kept using the more we sold, the more we can buy, the more we sold, the more we can buy. And then um, and, and that was it. You know, we've we've been fortunate enough to give some of these grants for small businesses that have really helped. Um, and just listening to my customer and hearing everybody who comes in the door is like a valuable person, you know, because they're telling me like, oh, do you have this? Oh, I'm so glad you have this. And I'm taking notes and I'm like, okay, we need to get some of this item that everybody's asking for. And and yeah, so I'm just keeping my ears open and, and really following the signs with kiddo and it's, it's helped out so far. You mentioned some grants that um, helped. Are there any specific grants or other specific resources that you want <clears throat> to uh, highlight that have been really helpful to you as you've grown the business? Oh, definitely. I mean, in 2020, when everything shut down, we, I think the first grant that I got was from iFundWomen. So I tell any woman who has a business idea or a small business to check them out and, and get on their newsletter and that type of thing, because they've been very helpful as we've been growing. Um, we also got a grant from Shea Moisture, who any black woman with a business, like if you don't know what Shea Moisture and New Voices and Fearless Fund, you know, are doing for black women businesses, then you you need to get on that because they they have been very helpful to so many black women owned businesses. Um, we Buy Black, I think was one of the grants we got during, during COVID. Um, and, you know, I look locally as well for, for organizations um, that are, giving away money. You know, it's like if you can fill out that application and answer those questions in a way that really reflects what you're trying to do and your mission, you can get free money out here. So come on, y'all. <laughs> come on, let's do it. <laughs> yes, absolutely. The other thing that you mentioned that really stood out to me was that you were saying you needed to make sure when you were talking with the commercial space that you were speaking the right financial language and that's so important but as you know an entrepreneur who you mentioned this is your second act you came from a performing arts background you didn't necessarily have a business education um, how did you learn what the right financial language was to to be talking with these people well i and i'm not the best at it but i try to get better at it every day but for those, for those of us who are very good at negotiation, you find out that almost everything is flexible, you know? And I, I learned that more from my peers who've done even more than I have. But 
in the beginning, it was just really um, about what I had been doing online and then maybe any money that I had been making from like ticketed events uh, for kiddo and, and just having a really realistic perspective of like, okay, what if, what if nobody came in the door for the next three months because no one's heard of kiddo yet? If I was only selling what I'm selling online, could I afford rent? And that's it. You know what I mean? So I couldn't get into any agreement that was like assuming, oh, I would have this many customers from foot traffic and this was going to happen. It really was like, well, this is what we're doing right now. And if you really want us here, like knowing your value, like if you came to me and you have heard of Kiddo, you see what we did with these events and you really want us here, are you willing to meet us where we're at to just get started? And fortunately for me, they were, you know, they saw some value in what we were bringing to the table. And so it, that value wasn't all financial. And so that ended up working to our benefit. Speaking of that value, that's not financial. I know that kiddo is on a mission to quote, spread love and change the world through cultural education, kindness, and community. Um, what are some of the ways that you're having a positive impact on your community? Oh, it's so hard. I feel, I feel like you should ask one of our one of our kiddo family members about that. It's hard for me to brag on ourselves, but I would I would say that um, I think the way in which I'm able to to have an impact, thankfully, is because I'm someone who is comfortable talking to people and comfortable being in front of people and being a leader. You know, <clears throat> there are a lot of small business owners who don't feel comfortable being the face of their brand or just don't, you know, they aren't an extrovert, they're an introvert, you know. And so I'm, I'm someone who's, if there's something going on, like I'm going to raise my hand and I'm going to say something. And I think for all the parents who, since they've become parents, have felt like um, they're just kind of a victim of their circumstance, like they don't necessarily feel their voice is the most powerful because parents have kind of been ignored since COVID. Um, if I'm able to be a leader and provide a voice for my community, they trust me. And in and, and the six years since we've started Kiddo, I've just been building trust with my community as a leader. And so I feel the responsibility of that, but I'm oftentimes just speaking from what I would want as a parent. So this, this summer, you know, when, when Roe fell, I was hearing, I'm, I'm, at a, I'm in a position where I have a shop and people are coming in the door all day. I'm hearing from my community the frustration of how that specifically impacts parents and knowing the data and the statistics about that. And also knowing that a lot of parents haven't been protesting. They haven't felt comfortable being on the front lines of marching during 21 civil unrest because they have kids and they're responsible to kind of come home to their kids at night and keep their family safe. And so this summer we kind of said enough is enough. Like as parents, we can't just play it safe all the time and we have to be leaders for our children. And so I said, hey, I'm going to do a march and my family's coming. And if you want to come, come out, you know, because we're, we're fed up and we have to show people that we care. And over 2000 families came. And we were marching on the South Side in some streets where Martin Luther King marched when he came to Chicago. And, and it felt so powerful to 
have this thought and have this feeling as one individual parent and have all these people next to me saying, yeah, you're right. I support you and I'm, and I'm marching too. And that's, that's when I feel our, our power is when it doesn't have to do with you buying a product from me. It's not a capitalist transaction. It's about community. It's about our people. It's about our history. And, and to know that I have some people, you know, standing shoulder to shoulder with me in that is that's it. That's it. That's all I need. If I had to leave the earth tomorrow, I would, I would feel fine about that. Yeah. A lot of what you do at kiddo highlights diversity and not just racial diversity, but different family structures such as blended families or adoptive families, children with different abilities. Um, can you talk about the importance of teaching kids to embrace diversity and why you've built that into your business? I think that's something that um, it comes from the experience, I think. Uh, even though Chicago is segregated, my specific neighborhood that I live in is, is very diverse. Um, I was fortunate enough to travel in my lifetime. A lot of people don't get to do that. I've lived in New York City, which is like a melting pot of everything, all kind of immigrants. Who, who land in New York, you know, for their first time in the country. And so I do feel this responsibility whenever a child comes in or a family comes in and they scan these books for their face or their culture, I, I feel, I do feel some kind of responsibility. I want every child to feel acknowledged and seen. And I know how big of an impact that makes when you see it early. When you know, like, oh, my experience isn't the only one just because nobody else in my school has two moms or something. But like, no, like I'm part of a bigger community. And at Kiddo, I met five other families who have two moms. And, you know, so I, I know that everyone in the country doesn't live in a diverse community, but they may have a little black kid who still needs to see themselves and still be connected to a larger community and, and I just, it just makes me feel good, you know? So if that connects to me selling products, that's awesome. But I, I just feel this responsibility, especially my kids, you know, it just, I don't know. I just feel like every kid should feel acknowledged. And if I can play some part of that in their life experience, they don't even have to remember who Miss Kiwa was when they're 20 years old. But if they grew up feeling like, even though I have vitiligo and I've never met anybody with vitiligo, Miss, Miss Kiwa told me I'm beautiful and I get this book from her store. That's it. That's it for me. <laughs> that, that is really um, a beautiful way to conduct business. I mean, you know, not just to raise your family, but to make it part of the business. I'm sure that over these years, you've learned so many lessons. Um, having run it successfully now for six years, navigated it through an entire pandemic um, and being a fourth generation entrepreneur, like we mentioned earlier, what is your advice for other women entrepreneurs out there? <clears throat> I would say seek clarity, seek clarity. I'm, I'm a person just like a lot of other people who have a lot of ideas <laughs> and Every idea isn't, isn't the one that's supposed to be taken to the finish line. And so the more, the, the more clarity that you can have about 
your mission, like your personal mission? Like, what do you care about? If you could only do one thing until the rest of your days, like, what would it be? Um, it just makes it easier. Then you can see those things that aren't important from a mile away. And when you're making decisions that have to do with your business and you go back to, well, what's the mission? Like, what, what is it really about? It just makes making those decisions, like, so much clearer. So I feel like with Kiddo, when it came to even just the branding and the imagery, I'm thinking of the South Side. I'm thinking how on the South Side of Chicago, we don't have these bright, colorful spaces for children and for our families to come in and feel like, oh, this is cute. Oh, and this is for me. You know, like, so even that was intentional. I think when you have clarity on your mission and your intention, people, it's like, it's like a magnet. Like people are drawn to, well, why, how does she know? Like, who's that woman? And how does she know what she's doing? You know, like, it's, it's just like a magnet. Like people just, people connect with you knowing what you're put on earth to do. And, and the clearer you can get on that and the clearer you can get on how your business can facilitate that, you know, for the world or for your community. Good deal. On that note, Kiwa, thank you so much for sharing your small business success story. Everyone out there, please take a look at the company website, kiddochicago.com. That's K-I-D-O Chicago.com. You can also follow them on Facebook or Instagram at Kiddo Chicago. Check out the podcast channel on blackenterprise.com to find Sisters Inc. and other podcasts from Black Enterprise writers, editors, and experts. Be sure to subscribe to Sisters Inc. on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, or YouTube. And if you like what you hear, show us some love by leaving a five-star review or put a sister on by spreading the word. I'm Elisa Gums with Sisters Inc. for Black Enterprise. Thank you for listening.